It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Welcome to the podcast. He's Lauren. And he's Scott. Let's get into it. All right. Well, it is a super special interview episode of Movies You Should Love here, Scott. Yes. Um, A very special Movies You Should Love. (laughs) Um... So, uh, what do we got going on today? What's kind of what's kind of the thing that we're doing here? We are uh, well. What this episode is is uh, about a week ago, exactly exactly one week ago. Uh, the wife and I went down to Georgia to meet with Dean Tripp, and this podcast um, is an interview or a kind of a sit down and general geek out that I had with him. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, Dean Tripp is uh, kind of. Uh, an up-and-comer, I guess, in the comic book world, or really has been kind of around for a while, yes? Um, yes and no. It's okay. like he has he has his own book that just came out this year called Power Lunch that he uh, he drew, um, and he has been online. Like I feel like I've known him for years, um, mainly because I've been following his work online for probably three or four years now. Uh, he has a webcomic that uh, he writes and draws himself. He's also involved with several different other um, internet communities of comic book and comic comic book artists and comic book enthusiasts. Uh, and so, while he hasn't maybe done a lot, and he even I believe says that within the the time we sit down, like and he says like I haven't done a lot, but I you know have a lot of connections. I know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, he's met a lot of people. He um, one of the biggest things that I think he has helped do is launch several other. Uh, artist careers through a website he runs called project rooftop um in which he kind of once a week or once a month depending on how often they can kind of get the competition together they have a competition to see who can redesign current superheroes costumes basically and so then anybody who wants to can submit a redesign of a costume and through that um several other artists have kind of been able to be seen and have uh gone on to have uh comic book artist careers and you know Whatnot, and so he's kind of been doing that as well as doing his own thing, and so he's both kind of established, especially on the internet, um, and but also a very much a legitimate up and coming artist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, all of that said, uh, it doesn't really sound like he's a film guy. So why why is this relevant to our listeners? What what did you guys talk about? Uh, we talked about a lot of comic book movies. Um, comic book movies, for those of you who haven't watched a movie in 10 years, um, they are kind of taking over the summer landscape. Um, ever since X-Men in 2000, um, we have kind of replaced the uh, sci-fi big action adventure movie in the summer with a lot of superhero movies. And there's been at least one every summer, probably for the last 10 years, if not two or three. This year alone, we had Thor, Captain America, Green Lantern, um, and, you know, big teaser for the Avengers coming out next year. Um, And so, comic book movies are, um, I don't know if they're here to stay, but they're definitely here right now, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Um, And so, he was somebody I thought it'd be very interesting to sit down with and discuss comic books, comic book superheroes, and comic book movies, because uh, not only is he somebody who has created his own comic book heroes and characters that he is currently writing. Um, He's also familiar with the concept of adaptation because he is, like I said, running Project Rooftop, 
in which they kind of try to take a look at some of these heroes and kind of get down to their uh, their basic essential components and say, how can we, is there other ways to represent that? It, can Superman only be this image? Can he only be this character? Or how can I represent that character um, in a different costume? Is the costume the man or is there something else going on? Um, he graduated from the Savannah uh, School of Visual Art and Design, uh, SCAD, as a uh, comic, yeah, oh, I forget the title, it's a sequential artist degree or something along those lines. Um, and so he definitely knows co- the comic book format inside and out. Um, he gets that language and understands that. And so I thought from that perspective, he'd be a very interesting person to sit down and say, comic book movies, you know, <laughs> and just uh, kind of see kind of what he thought, you know, what he thought were, uh, what from a from that perspective, someone who's maybe not a film person, but who does have a love for these kinds of films, um, successes, failures, you know, we try to stay positive, generally speaking, but um, that he could bring an interesting perspective to this. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, we will get right to that in, in just a second to that interview. Um, yes. Before we do, is there any uh, movie news that we wanted to cover here in, in this podcast? Um, yeah, just this week, um, the blacklist was revealed um, every year, they've been doing this for a couple of years now. The Blacklist is a list of movie scripts that have not yet been produced. Um, and if you go to blacklist.com, and that's Blacklist with all the vowels taken out, so it's B-L-C-K-L-S-T.com, you can get a little bit more information on what the Blacklist is. But essentially, um, the Blacklist is not a best of list. It is a most liked list. So these are scripts that are floating around Hollywood right now that aren't being made for whatever reason. Um, but producers really want them to be right. made. Everybody who reads them likes them. Like, oh, this is a great movie. But for some reason, it's not getting made. And it's, it's just interesting to note because there's been a lot of movies um, that have launched film careers, like uh, Winter's Bone last year was on the blacklist for a time, and that's the movie that kind of launched Jennifer Lawrence's career. Um, you have, I believe, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was on the blacklist for a while. Um, I think Mean Creek was on the blacklist, and they're, they generally speaking, these are all movies that turn out to be excellent scripts, excellent movies. Um, and so it's interesting to look at this. We'll put a li- we'll put a link on the uh, on this podcast episodes page. Um, so that you can go kind of re- read over this list because I find this interesting as a screenwriter um, to see what people basically like, but also just to kind of get an idea of what's out there right now. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if next year you see some of these uh, movies coming out and you can kind of see where it came from. It's, it's kind of a cool heads up. There's a couple on here that I really would like to see. Like, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I think this is a really interesting, um, considering the topic of this particular podcast and, and the interview being about these huge blockbuster um, comic book movies, uh, I think this is just a really interesting counterpoint to that, because so many of these are original ideas, mm-hmm. um, you know, original storylines that aren't adapted from things or anything else, you know, so many of them, or there's a few that look like they're kind of biopic kind of things, or, or that kind of thing, <laughs> but um, it's interesting how original this this list reads though as you go through it and mm-hmm. um you know it's just it's it's exactly the counterpoint i think to a lot of the stuff you guys are going to be talking about today in this podcast it is it, it is and it isn't you know mm-hmm. it, it, it can be a counterpoint you know here, here's a lot of original stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to a lot of adaptation um 
but also you'll hear us really start there's a point I think halfway through where we just start crushing on Christopher Nolan and we just kind of go he's one of those guys we like because he likes to make good movies you know mm-hmm. and like so you know Dean Tripp and myself and I know you Lauren we're all fans of good movies and so generally speaking this I think this will also this particular episode is also kind of a celebration of just good movies movies that you should, you should love. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you find this list, uh, like I said, we'll post a link up. You'll see that these um, the pages are kind of broken down with these very large numbers. Those numbers represent how many votes um, this script has gotten. As because whoever runs the blacklist basically goes around and says, "Hey, send us the the scripts you want to see." And there's some interesting ones. Um, number three on this list, for example, is a movie called Chewie. It's a satirical behind the scenes look at the making of Star Wars through the eyes of Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca. Nice. Um, but the one I really want to see is actually number one, The Imitation Game by Graham Moore, um, which is, it appears to be about the German Enigma code machine, and just sounds fascinating. Anyway, yeah, it's a yeah. really interesting list that I think uh, everybody should check out. Very cool. All right, well, we will definitely get a link to that up at our website, moviesyoushouldlove.com. And uh, I think now, at this point, we are going to launch into your interview with Dean Drip. So here we go. Cool. And you might notice the sound changes slightly because this was a live recording inside a comic book store. Um, So there might be ambience. (laughs) Fair enough. So here he is, Dean Tripp and Scott Fogg. All right. I am uh, sitting here with Dean Tripp, a man who uh, wears several hats from what I can tell. He is a comic book artist. Do you... Do you own the store we're sitting in? No, I just uh, co-manage it. Co-manage, okay. Co-manage a comic book store. You have a ongoing web series, um, comic book web series, comic web series. I'm not sure. You're just getting all the words in the wrong order. It's web comic. A web comic, okay. Comic book web series. Sorry. It's elaborate. Sorry, I have, yeah, I have a couple web series that I kind of run. My sequential art interspace zone. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, as well as Project Rooftop, which we... I was meaning to talk to it as well. Just a web series. It, did you start uh, Project Rooftop? Yeah, uh, me and uh, my friend Jamie Gailey had uh, posted some Batgirls on our blogs, like redesigns of Batgirls that took off like crazy. Like mm-hmm. every one of our friends drew one, and then their friends drew one, and there were a thousand in a week. And so uh, after that, I, I kind of wanted to start a site that kept that kind of indie version of superhero redesigns going. And so we've been doing that for. Like almost six years now, I guess. That's cool. And that, is that open just to anybody can contribute? Yeah, anybody can, can get involved in those contests? Yeah, we do a couple of invitation-only projects, but for the most part, I mean, we have an open policy. You can send us stuff. I mean, we run, a, you know, 5% of what we get, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's no harm in trying. A lot of times I'll talk to people over email about, like, where they were doing something good. Like, a lot, mm-hmm. of, I have a lot of guys that have, you know gone from being someone who didn't get posted to being someone who made the runners up and then to, you know they're guys who now win mm-hmm. you know it's pretty cool to watch i like fostering young artists over yeah there. and that's it's definitely a website that it's a website that i have bookmarked and i visit even though i cannot draw <laughs> i love seeing what people come up with because there's some really cool stuff i have some friends that i've sent that website to because they are artists i'm like you should get involved with this it's really cool we just <laughs> all we use it for you know the initials are pr for a reason we just use it to plug up and coming people who need more eyeballs on their stuff get between six and ten thousand hits a day you know on an average day and we just send them to look at people you know mm-hmm. a lot of up and coming cool artists like joe quinones and ming doyle came out of our site and i could not be prouder <laughs> to be honest <laughs> that's cool um 
reason we're sitting down today, I thought we could, uh, you would be a good person that we could kind of talk about uh, comic book movies. Um, things you love, things that you kind of wish would might go away. No, you thought wrong. I don't watch them. <laughs> oh, well, that wraps up this little uh, discussion then. Um, I've seen a few. I'll talk about them. You've seen a couple? What would, be your, what would be your favorite? The best comic book movie is The Dark Knight. I thought you might say that. It's, I mean, you know, it made a billion dollars well, worldwide yeah, for I a mean, reason. Yeah. It's, it's such a great movie for so many reasons. Like, first, best guy directing movies right now. His brother, best guy writing movies. Like, Chris and Jonathan Nolan, they, they have this really smart strategy in Hollywood where they just make good movies. <laughs> and I wish more people adhered to that kind of thinking. Uh, they just knocked it out of the park. You know, the first movie, uh, Batman Begins, was a really strong opening film. Like, at the time, I was blown away by it. Uh, I had three major problems with it, though. Uh, I thought the love interest was kind of tacked on. Mm-hmm. They did a great thing with it in the second movie, though, so mm-hmm. totally forgivable. Uh, the part at the end where he, he lets uh, Rachel Gould die. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't have to. I'm, I'm gonna not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah, you do. You're Batman. <laughs> That's part of the deal is you save everybody. And then they address mm-hmm. that in the second movie where he saves Joker at the end. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, the other, the, the big thing, just as a hardcore Batman fan, is that they totally left out in Batman Begins the crucial moment of making Batman, as far as I'm concerned, which is that he's an eight-year-old's idea of becoming, a, you know, what the world needs. You know, he has this horrible tragedy that occurs in his life. What he needed that night was a vigilante dressed as a bat. So he dedicates his life to become that. You know, he doesn't know he's going to be dressed as a bat, but he, he needed a superhero, and there aren't any. So he becomes it. He's the one good rich kid, you know? And so <laughs> it's, uh, they, they, I, I just don't think you decide to become Batman when you get kicked out of Princeton or whatever. <laughs> like, right. like, uh, yeah, I'm 20. I'm going to donate money to the police fund or go right. make money or I'm jaded by now, you know? Yeah. I didn't care for that. But the second movie, you don't even need to have seen Batman Begins to love it. It's like, it's a non origin, which I don't usually have a problem with origin movies. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people do. But that one, it's just hits the ground running with just epic thoughtfulness and fewer of the David Goyerisms of the first yeah. movie. I gotta get me one of those. You know, kinda. <laughs> Do they come in black? Yeah, like yeah. The, the whole like laugh line for the audience. Yeah. Like this movie just felt more respectful of the audience. Like yeah. it just trusted you to be smart and pay attention. And there's not any wasted lines in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it opens with the, you know, uh, pretty soon into the opening is the Gordon and the cop. Uh, the lady cop who's you know turns out to be turned by mm-hmm. the bad guys, but uh, they're talking about her mother being in the hospital, which is how the criminals turned her. Like, mm-hmm. there's just not a missed line. Yeah, anyway. um, I've often said Back to the Future is a perfect script. Oh yeah, totally. There's no wasted moments. Even the jokes play into the story. It's in some excellent. Way. Yeah, and I the just dark, rewatched that man. Yeah, but then the Dark Knight is almost identical in that respect. Yeah, you can rewatch it a million times. There's Everything you know, there's there's one major plot hole in uh, in in both of those movies. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, in Back to the Future, it's where does the Marty from the revised future go right. at the end of the movie? And in The Dark Knight, it's when Batman saves uh, uh, the girl from falling out the window. Uh, why did he leave the Joker in the room with all those people? <laughs> right. And what happened there? Yeah. And uh, I think he had knocked out. 
uh, Harvey Dent and left him somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Next scene. <laughs> yeah, they, they completely leave that whole moment in time. And I'm sure they had something planned for it, mm-hmm. but it just got cut because that's a long movie, but I'd go for any additional yeah. time because it was perfect. I have to uh, – Batman Begins blew me away. You mentioned yeah. loving that. It was the first time I felt like we had a Bruce Wayne movie. Even though we've had four other Batman movies, yes. you know, and there was earlier ones, but like Jack Nicholas, Nicholson, yeah, I always get the golfer and the actor confused, mm-hmm. kind of took over the movie. You know, it, it was almost yeah. the Joker's movie. And it is the Joker's movie, and you can tell that Tim Burton had a greater understanding of what he wanted to do with the Joker than with who Batman yeah. was. Everything looked awesome. I loved Michael I loved Keaton. That movie. That's what got me into comics. Is that movie really? Yeah, uh, I watched that movie, and then I went and bought a my first Batman comic. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but want, yeah, it's a movie. It's a whole all about the Joker. I want to come back to that here in just a second about you coming back to comics after the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and in the future things, it's the same thing with uh, the Penguin in Batman Returns. It's really kind of almost oh, man. his. How his silly movie. is that movie? Like it's really dark. You know what's crazy? It's, <laughs> like it's, I was. Like, I know Batman's a dark character. That that's always kind of been mm-hmm. one of the things, especially in the movies. But rewatching that and kind of making. Uh, the penguin, like this evil Moses almost character, where he's trying to kill all the firstborn, and, yeah. and he's got this penguin army, and you're like, "What is going on?" Well, in this he's movie? like a mutant baby, you know, <laughs> yeah. with deformities. Uh, that the funny thing to me is that everyone, as far as Batman movies are concerned, we've all just come to accept that it's okay to dog on Batman and Robin by Joel Schumacher, right? With George Clooney mm-hmm. and bat nipples mm-hmm. because bat it was the worst thing ever. But uh, here's the thing: when that movie came out. It's the first movie I ever walked out on because of my hardcore agreement with what now everyone believes. Right. I now love it. Really? Yeah. I love it the same way I appreciate Like, I'm a huge fan of the Adam West Batman series, which was what I uh, – my first exposure to Batman uh, in preschool. But the uh, the Adam West – I mean, not the Adam West, but the George Clooney Batman movie, the Batman and Robin, knows what it is. Mm-hmm. It is not trying to fool you into being a serious Batman movie. You wanted one and you didn't get one, so mm-hmm. I can understand the disappointment. Right. It is a funny, super campy, silly Batman movie intentionally, and that intention is what makes me like it. You know, there's a bat credit card mm-hmm. and bat ice skates. Bat ice skates. That's where it, that's, <laughs> that's that, that was the line it crossed yeah, for me. That's where you're like, I was oh. on board because I honestly liked Batman Forever. I mean, that was one of the first. But see, if you real watch Batman. it now, those are the same movie. Oh, yeah. Batman Forever's plot points match up identically to... Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's the teen runaway, there's a motorcycle yeah. with the neon gang, yeah. and there's a new suit, and we got to go get it before yeah. the fight, and there's yeah. an established villain and the current villain we're yeah. hunting. There's yeah. a scientist who works for Wayne Enterprises and has red hair and a green suit. Like, it's the <laughs> same movie, but you, everyone is totally saying, no, Batman Forever was the one I liked, the last one I liked. But it all starts, for real, with Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. There's penguins with rockets on their back. <laughs> Catwoman gets licked back to life by a gang of stray cats. Like, nothing in that movie makes any flipping sense. And, and the, the penguin helicopter, the, the umbrella helicopter oh, sure, that, that he goes work. off. Yeah. That totally worked. That's legit. I don't know why we're... He has the, the batarang that he can just plug in like a video, like a tiger video game. Like, I need to hit these guys and then throw it. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Um, I loved that movie when it came out, but yeah. now I don't like that and... Uh, and I can appreciate returns, but it's so that's where the camp starts. Yeah. Like, uh, but uh, forever, I think it's unwatchable. Really, I've tried to make it through. I've watched Batman and Robin a bunch of times because forever it's so is actually my favorite of those four. Oh my god, I think Val Kimmer does a good job. Yeah, I just think the writing's so bad and the campiness is so insane. Like you know, mm-hmm. 
Tommy, everybody in it is people I like. But Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, Jones is trying is, to do the Joker. Tommy Lee Jones is unbearable. Yeah, he's I tr- like him in almost everything else he's ever yeah. been in. But his Two Face, you're like, what are you? Well, Jim Carrey's unbearable. Like he's I'm okay, so I'm okay, insane. He is, but I, I'm okay with him doing his. He's being Jim Carrey as a villain. Basically, but I mean, he's being Jim Carrey as the Grinch. He's being right. Jim Carrey as Ace Ventura. He's right. being Jim Carrey. You know, he's doing the the thing where it's like, oh, you wanted me to be me. Not right. you, I'd like to portray you a character. Jim Carrey. Got it. Yeah. I, you know, and a lot of this comes down to personal taste. But I like the really sharp, super witty Riddler from like the animated series. Oh, I, oh, I mean, yeah, so much more than the campy tight suit wearing. Well, yeah, I felt Frank like Gorshwin inspired, but you know, Rick, both Riddler and Two Face were like they they both wanted to be Joker. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they both played different parts. And yes. we go, this Riddler isn't the Riddler. This Two Face isn't Two Face. Yeah. Um, but and also that's the movie where the bat nipples start. Everyone Start, forgets that. They still around? In, well, everybody complains about the fourth movie having them, but the, the third movie has them as well. Do they? I yes. missed them. I know. Everybody's like... Nobody, nobody just, is willing to confront forever, <laughs> even though it has the best title and is my personal motto, Batman Forever. Um, for, but th- that movie is just a, a mess. It's a huge, huge mess, uh, despite all the, the cool people in it. And also it does that thing I can't stand of making Robin super old. Yeah. Which they've done with the new 52 now in the comics is Dick Grayson's personal continuity is that he's now started training with Batman when he's like 15 or 16. Yeah. That's dumb. I do like him, the new, the older one in Arkham City. I get a real kick out of playing him. Sure, sure. But, but I think that's Tim in that game. Have, does he have, is he actually in the game? Because right now I'm just playing, I just put the he DLC. Sh- he shows up to say hey one time. Okay. But like, uh, <laughs> I think that's Tim in the game. Because, I mean, we're already in the time when Oracle, you know, oh, is not true. Batgirl anymore. That's and, true. And there's Azrael that shows up, you know, like. Azrael shows up? Yeah. Man, that game's great. Someone ruined the plot. I'm not going to say it here, but like, I was super excited to play it the night I bought it. Someone's like, you're not going to believe it when bleep shows up. And uh, I was like, oh, so that's the end of the game? He hasn't been revealed to be in this game yet. Thanks, pal. Yeah. So, uh, awesome. I didn't get spoiled. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's about the journey, not the No, it is. Things. It is. And I'm actually pretty cool with spoilers. I think there's a certain amount of, if you know what you're getting into, you can really appreciate looking forward to it as the movie yeah. or the, the game unfolds. Well, it's like, but there's you know things. you're about to watch a masterpiece, Yeah. you don't want any spoilers. Yeah. But if you're about to watch, like, an okay movie, it doesn't matter what the thing is. Oh, yeah, I mean... Every movie's, like... There's so few stories that exist. The only thing that I... They're gonna be one of those. The only thing I absolutely do not want to be spoiled on at this point is Doctor Who. Everything else is, I'm like, okay, you can give me... You can give me stuff. I know Batman's gonna beat the Joker. That's not a surprise. Harvey Dent becomes two-faced in this movie. Cool. Yeah. That's not a surprise. Yeah, I don't like being spoiled on uh, guys that I like. I don't like being spoiled on Grant Morrison stuff, or Mm -hmm. Stephen Moffat stuff, or Chris and Jonathan Nolan stuff. Because those guys know how to not tell you things, yeah. but secretly tell you a bunch of stuff, so that when it happens, you're yeah. like, "Oh my god!" Well, that's like people online right now are complaining about all the spoilers for The Dark Knight Rises being online. Yeah, they, there are I'm too like, many. There might be too many, but what do we actually know about this movie? Yeah, like you've been given—I feel like we've been given the corner pieces of a sure. puzzle, and you're like, "Catwoman's in this, the Batwing's in this, yeah. Bane's in this." Yeah, what's the story? It is too much stuff, <laughs> uh, but. I, you know, and it's one of those things that, like, you can't avoid if you're in the comic book world. Like, if you're a yeah. fan or a creator, like, and you read the comics, blogs, and news sites, it's like, here's the news shot of this. And it's like, it's not spoiling the movie in a yeah. way that's going to ruin it. But what it is doing is going, hey, I know that you knew you didn't need to see any of this before you saw that movie because right. you trust them. Yeah. But you have anyway. And yeah. so it brings me into, like, the a world of fans who need to see everything mm-hmm. first. And I'm not. I mean, like... I, I can go into anything 
Chris Nolan directs. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. And just be like, let's go, because that guy is a master storyteller, and uh, the thing thing I like about comics and movies, because I'm not really, I, I obviously love comics as a medium, but I'm not as tied to it as a thing, like the physical construct, as I think some people are. I just like stories, you know. Whether it's I read mostly when I read books, it's nonfiction, like autobiographies and biographies and history stuff. And then uh, when I read comics, it's mostly superheroes and some horror. Uh, and uh, movies, uh, just totally anything, TV shows. Mm-hmm. I really like, these days I'm into hour-long dramas, like Breaking Bad or The Wire was the best. <laughs> uh, Veronica Mars and West Wing. How addictive is Breaking Bad? I mean, Breaking not, 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 so not, not to crack the uh, obvious pun, yeah. but it's just like, <laughs> I started, someone was recommending Breaking Bad to me. I was like, yeah, I'll check out an episode four seasons later. I'm pushing it on her now. Well, you know, she's the thing addicted. is, you know, we we think of film as the the epitome of, of kind of like uh, of storytelling, of video of, culture. Yeah. You know, like what, where we take you know moving images and sound. Every book wants to is, be a movie. Every comic book wants to be a movie. Right. Blah blah blah. But really, TV shows is where you can tell long form things mm-hmm. and really get in depth, which is a strength the comics have and TV has, yeah. and film doesn't. No, uh, Lauren, actually, the my co-host, and I have been talking about it and how cinema and. TV seemed to have kind of almost replaced each, like switched places. Yeah, where now cinema has to be a short story. It's like it, it's the novella. It's popcorn of the literature for world. the masses. Yeah. dumbed down mostly. It has to be a two-hour block. Yeah. Where if you make, um, can you imagine like Inception, the TV series? Like what would that be? Right. And it would be, but it, it could be this really long story that could go on. But Inception is such a good example of what Hollywood almost never does anymore. And mm-hmm. Obviously, we're still just totally you know Gushing crushing Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah, I mean huge crushes on the Nolans. Uh, but that's a movie where uh, it's not based on some prior thing. Mm-hmm. Now, they've done movies that are the Prestige. brilliantly, mm-hmm. brilliantly so good. Prestige is in my top ten favorite Oh, movies. yeah. Man, talking, what talk, a cast, right? Yeah, and you talk, you're talking about original stories. Like, I feel like there's so many movies, even if it's a new concept like Inception, you yeah. kind of go, we've seen the Bank Heist movie before, though. Right. This is essentially what this is, new take on it. Love the movie. Yeah, yeah. But The Prestige was the first time I was like... I don't think I've ever seen this story before. Uh-huh. This kind of this concept, and I mean, there's I've jealousy seen four or five and rage. Times. There's yeah. nothing about it that's not awesome. Yeah, it's all the way down to David Bowie as Tesla. Like, <laughs> oh, I love Tesla. So une- so unexpected seeing Tesla show up. I'm like, oh, oh, I love this guy. That movie's great. Have um, you, are you reading Atomic Robo? Yeah, yeah, I love those Speaking, guys. I'm just sorry, it went from Tesla to Atomic Robo, yeah. and uh, that is a excellent creative read. team and uh, just awesome, awesome comics. Yeah. I, I wish the the great thing is to see uh, guys like that getting really fun, cool, interesting comics out mm-hmm. there. It's it's inspiring to me as a guy who you know I have kind of a large following online, but I haven't done that much stuff. I, you know, I've been busy having a family and working jobs and uh, moving a lot uh, and running Project Rooftop and different things, and uh, you know, I'm now getting into working on Butterfly as my main. Thing you know, with I'm doing Power Lunch for Oni and I'm doing Butterfly for me, and uh, to see like creators have uh, success like that it makes me very very happy. And I, I hope that they're making as much money as they should be off that <laughs> right. stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love those guys. Yeah. Um, cool. Moving on from uh, crushing on Christopher Nolan. Um, well, I, well, actually, I can't move on because I have to also comment on the other reason I love The Dark Knight um, is because. Something that I don't know how he did it because st- I still marvel at it is producing something that is so very familiar to the fans of the comic book 
you know, we you see Batman, you immediately recognize him. Yeah. See the Joker, you immediately recognize him. But somehow he gave us something that was completely brand new. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like we'd never seen that. I don't think we ever well, saw that Joker thinking. before. They really had new thinking. Like clearly, you know, you can see it in reviews of the movie. They didn't understand it. Like Roger Ebert is wondering, like, does knowing that the Joker was abused add to your understanding of the character? I was like, well, he wasn't. He was lying. You That's have to a, really you, watch the movie to know that. But, know, no, <laughs> if you noticed, he has four origin stories that yeah. he begins there. Yeah, if you actually watch the movie, yeah. you catch this stuff. And I, I love Ebert. I don't yeah. mean a dog on him. But I had a lot of people I knew that they're like thought that was a thing and it's like did you catch later when he tells a different story anyway um but that joker he does some a very specific thing that also people didn't realize because i heard some people complain about his accent being all over the place right what he was doing and if you've seen the movie a billion times like i have is for each character and each group he has a different voice when he talks to like that russian mobster guy or whatever he is uh, I'm terrible at nationalities and <laughs> ethnicities entirely. Um, well, there's this one, the one guy that he burns the money in front of, which was also genius. Oh, moment. the Dutch. Yeah, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could totally fool me. I have no idea. I just, you know, every single person seems pretty unique to me, and I don't understand how yeah, people yeah. can tell. Oh, that person's Jewish. And they're like, I, okay, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the guy that he's talking to, he has a voice that he uses. For him, he has a voice he uses for Gamble. He has a voice that he uses for Batman. And I think his Batman one seems the most honest, the most vulnerable, but you don't know. And what does a Joker card do is it matches whatever it's playing. You know what I'm saying? I know what we're watching tonight. <laughs> I, yeah. I, yeah did not you got to watch it again. I've seen it. There's so much brilliant stuff that uh, Ledger's doing, and I, I, you know, uh, I don't mean to just assume, but I, mm-hmm. I knowing, you know, his commitment to that performance is so amazing, but uh, knowing uh, the Nolans, I would imagine that they gave him notes on how to do or I would, what to do with that. I would say, I mean, just see, when you look at the other other films, when you look at um, the Prestige, you look at the first Batman film, yeah. you look at um, what was the the following? Oh, following's cool, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So when you see it, the level of detail they're putting into their other movies, you look at Inception, you see those. Yeah. Um, it would not surprise me at all if they kind of they kind of looked at the comic book and then looked at the Joker card and they go, let's look at all the different representations of this See, that's, concept. You know, these guys, they come in, you know, let's, this is what comic writers take note, this is what you should do. Uh, there's some people doing a great job, Grant Morrison, Scott Snyder, you know, uh, Alan Moore, they come to things and they build them back up, you mm-hmm. know, from looking at a wide picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they did with the Joker was they made him a purer more cohesive version of the character by drawing in from various sources. The way Heath does his laugh in that movie is pulling from, you know, uh, the Cesar Romero and the Mark Hamill and the um, Jack Nicholson. Like, you can feel it and hear it. Like, in his laugh, there's times where it's sillier and times when it's scarier yeah. and uh, it's really good. And that, that point about burning the money is you've got this extra level of dichotomy between this guy that we know everything about and he's super rich and he and they make a point of saying in the movie and that's not there just to be a dumb joke like I'm not wearing hockey pads cuz I spend my money on this. Right. Joker needs 50 bucks to take down Batman. Right. You know, like I'm going to burn this money cuz <laughs> yeah. I don't care about it, you know? Yeah. Uh that's terrifying. Yeah. You know, you watch a guy burn money. <laughs> you know, as someone who's not really obsessed with money, you still just go, "Why?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? The things you can do even if you don't want it. <laughs> and that give scene's it away. just there to scare you. That's yeah. so good. No, he was one of the, the, the 
I watch a lot of movies, and there's very few times where I'm actually legitimately scared of a character. And the Joker was one of those times where yeah. every time he was on screen, you go, I have no idea what he's going to do. He's got a pencil. What's he going to do with a pencil? Yeah. I am now completely terrified. Um, what do you think about some of the little changes they had to make in that adaptation process? Like going back to Batman Begins, kind of downplaying Ra's al Ghul's immortality, or kind of stripping away some of the, the more fantasy elements we see in the Batman comics. You know, he fights parrot demons and all I sorts of things. I thought it was great. Uh, you know, the thing about comic books is that they're, the, you know, because they cost so little and they're made by poor artisan writers pouring their hearts into these things for over 70 years. It's like collaborating with people across time to make this new thing, to inspire the current generation. It's, it's really a cool thing. But you're in this world where there's so much freedom that you can do anything. And you should. You know, right. The X-Men uh, have space battles, and you're not going to ever see that in the movie. You know, They right. had to tone that down for the Phoenix stuff that they mm-hmm. did, which didn't turn out great. But hey, yeah. they tried it. And... Uh, you know, uh, Batman is a dude who, in a Grant Morrison comic, because Grant Morrison is one of the guys I think understands Batman perfectly. Batman has an outpost on Pluto where he has a lot of extra weapons. It's like his extra cave um, <laughs> where he keeps stuff in case, you know, he needs to help out when the Justice League is in a pocket universe of – it's our world. Right. And they have to remain secret because we don't have superheroes. Right. But Batman has robot Justice League out on Pluto that he flies to in his bat saucer. That happens in the comic book world. But in movie world, we kind of, you know, what, what it seems like we currently want to see, and this may not always be the case, as, you know, CGI continues to open up new realms to explore in the more, you know, mainstream culture. But, uh, you know, currently we want to see uh, what is it like when Batman's real and grounded. Mm-hmm. And in comic book world, we already did that. That's how Batman started. Yeah. Uh, but the mainstream culture is always behind comic books because comics are so cheap and free to make new ideas and doesn't cost anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like things like parallel universes and uh, things that are really accepted in like main TV shows right now uh, are more popular in both sci-fi novels and comic books because you don't have a budget. Right. Um, Sometimes, um, as a... As a diehard Superman, and uh, fairly recent, past five years, we've become a very big Green Lantern fan, and mm-hmm. past couple months, I've become a pretty big Wonder Woman fan. Sometimes I wish they'd included some of those fantasy elements in the movies because mm-hmm. I I fear that grounding Batman in such a re- gritty reality mm-hmm. has kind of made it harder for people to accept a Green Lantern movie or the possibility of a Superman movie. Like there's I a... don't think I don't think those are the problems with those movies. Like <laughs> right. <laughs> like just, you know, those were very poorly put together films. Like Superman Returns was gorgeous mm-hmm. and just didn't hit the sweet spot of connecting with the audience. Like yeah. that was just there's some writing problems, some idea problems, mm-hmm. too much reverentialness displayed towards the original Donner film, right. uh, but ultimately an admirable attempt that made a lot of money, yeah. uh, and it just gets dogged on because uh, it had some, some just misses in it. Yeah. The Green Lantern film, on the other hand, is a huge mess. That's, I, like, the second it starts, mm-hmm. you're like, no, you've messed up. Mm-hmm. Because you don't start in Sector 4 million, you know, right. these guys you've never heard of, and here's some CGI things, and it's just a cartoon forever, and that's not about Hal Jordan, this mm-hmm. guy, who, by the way, they write as a jerk because they think they've got the next Iron Man on their hands. So they're trying to do that Tony Stark jerky thing, right. which you know they've written into the comic over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and I'm only just now starting to accept, to be honest, the new reboot 52 DC series mm-hmm. with Hal being just a total jerk mm-hmm. and uh, a Sinestro being the you know kind of leader good guy. <laughs> yeah. I totally buy that because in the same thing in the movie, Sinestro throughout that whole movie, he's the smart guy who knows what's going on. Yeah. And then there's all these idiots around him. <laughs> <laughs> right, and right. And they just luck into beating Parallax. Yeah. And then for no reason, Sinestro's like, good job. I'm going to go start my own thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, Good job. I'm going to be a villain next time. Well, it's like I don't even think of Sinister. I think he's more like a Magneto type. Right. You know, where it's like I'm, I have a different way of approaching things. You might call me a bad guy. He just has an unfortunate You will market name. this movie with me being the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Totally, totally unfortunate name. We shall name him Sinestro. He'll be a happy child. <laughs> um, we almost named him Evil Gaio. Um, but yeah, he uh, he just gets really dogged. That whole movie is such a mess. I, I just I felt really, really sad because I, I love Green Lantern too, mm-hmm. and uh, my son and I play Green Lanterns. We both have light up Green Lantern mm-hmm. rings, and it's he's three, and it's so awesome to just sit there and pretend to make things. Yeah. With a like, what, are you, what are you making? Well, it's like, he'll be like, I I made a wall, and I'm like, I made a door through the wall, and then, like, you know, I made some steps, and I'm like, I had an octopus climb up the steps and give you a hug, you know, like, it's it's just, you know, this super great gateway into imagination. I, yeah, that's what I love about the comics, is that it feels like, it feels like the first time you saw Star Wars, where, like, anything is possible in this universe. Mm -hmm. Look what these guys, look what this little farm kid can do in this place, and same with Hal Jordan, he's just a normal guy, given this one... (laughs) <laughs> one key that unlocks Yeah, and when so much it, if you've read a, a proper origin of Hal Jordan, that's mm-hmm. how you feel about him. Yeah. This movie didn't give you that. No, that's what it made wasn't me, about yeah. him as this guy. It made me sad. You know, like yeah. I, there was a lot in it that I actually kind of liked. Like I'm cool with Ryan Reynolds coming back if they do a second one. You know, I'm not a, a Ryan Reynolds hater at all. And I mm-hmm. think he gets a bad rap for playing the character that's written on the page. Right. And so it's like you know, he didn't write the lines. Like, yeah. everybody's like, I just think Ryan Reynolds played like Ryan Reynolds. And it's like, he's not in charge of the lines. Yeah. Like, when he says a douchey thing, it's not because he's a douchey guy. Yeah. He's an actor who can play anything. This is a movie the studio wanted he's to make great. $300 a, a, million dollars from. Yeah. And so there's a thousand people on set going, can you do it this way? Yeah. He's a good-looking young yeah. guy. I think totally fine for the yeah. thing. But I think the movie did so poorly in terms of connecting with yeah. the audience that what they ought to do is bring in... Totally different writers and stuff, right. but keep uh, uh, what's his name Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Keep him and have the next movie be about John Stewart or Kyle and nice. Hal's gone evil and he's the nice. bad guy. He becomes paralyzed. And then you have to save Hal by the end of it. <laughs> that and could then, be cool. You know, then you've got like a Green Lantern core set yeah. up for the third one. I was excited when they were because there was rumors for a while that um, Green Lantern was going to run into Superman in a cameo. Like Superman was going to be like, "This is who you should be." Now that yeah. you have this ability, and of course, that's not in it. No. Um, and I'm a little – I'm both excited and worried about the new Superman movie because it's Christopher Nolan producing it, which is super right. exciting. So you got but up at the top, Nolan. Best guy. And then you have Goyer, I think, wrote it. Or he at least it was his it was his pitch it was his story idea he pitched but, it to but you know it was his story Nolan. idea for Dark Knight that Jonathan Nolan crafted right those two right. No, Goyer had two movies and you know Nolan yeah. crafted it into one the, awesome yeah the story that I heard basically was Goyer was on set either during Batman Begins or Dark Knight and he goes if you ever think Superman here's yeah. the idea yeah. and Nolan was like that's a great idea it's just that Zack Snyder 
I like his movies, but like he is so. <laughs> no, you don't. You just said it in that way. That <laughs> like, just tell... It's like yeah. they're visually interesting, yes. which not everybody is. You know, and and there are times when I would rather sit if I'm going to sit down and look at things because I draw all day, mm-hmm. and I have to. I, I have ADD, and so I grew up drawing in school, and uh, so I would. I found that I could pay attention to whatever was being said as long as I was drawing. As long as your hand was busy? Yeah. And now the reverse is also true, where mm-hmm. I can pay attention to drawing as mm-hmm. long as I'm listening to something. So I listen to a ton of podcasts, watch yeah. a lot of movies and TV shows, especially verbal stuff. Mm-hmm. So Zack Snyder is a guy mm-hmm. whose stuff looks so interesting, I want to actually look at it. Right. Now, his subject matter has been all over the map yeah. because his Watchmen movie was pretty hit or miss yeah it's at least interesting that they tried to do it i yeah and but well, uh, you know that trailer for it was so much better than the movie <laughs> yeah and if they gave oscars for just trailers i, I thought rorschach was great in that yeah like i thought really they good. nailed it i thought night owl was really night good. owl was cool like, silk specter was terrible i liked i liked um <laughs> dr manhattan like it was like cause yeah, i, I love billy right, crud yeah. up in other things and like seeing him like I had pictured him so differently, especially the way he talked. Yeah, seeing well, the way they, their approach. He they emoted did it. like nothing. <laughs> I kind of went. This I is kind of words, right? Um, and then Ozymandias. I was just, just, just couldn't yeah, stay yeah. on. Yeah, and then the was, ending just falls apart. It, yeah, and I was disappointed because like Watchmen, the comic is almost looked at as the the Godfather of comics. You know, it is when it you is look at like, when you look at Godfather in in cinema. That's what Watchmen you know, is for is, comics. I was hoping it would be that for comic book movies. Well, Watchmen it, is so counter to my actual beliefs about superheroes. Right. Because it's it's if superheroes were real, they would mess everything up. Yeah. Whereas I like to believe that superheroes would save the day and that they could be, you know, paragons mm-hmm. of justice and helping mm-hmm. people. But that book, I, I reread it before the movie came out, mm-hmm. and it is genius. And, like, the mainstream uh, – you know, it's based on prior stuff. I really don't like how Alan Moore's current persona is to pretend nobody else has any original ideas but me. And it's like, dude, you just yeah. based that on the Charlton characters. And Ozymandias' whole plan was that guy's whole plan back in the 40s, okay? You didn't make this stuff up. You crafted it into a better thing, mm-hmm. a far better thing, a genius thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like it's all wholly original. Mm-hmm. But uh, so many comics of the last 20 years have just been – Picking the bones of that Civil War, uh, elements of New Frontier, which I also think is mm-hmm. a genius work that recrafts a lot of wonderful Darwin things Cook. into a far better thing. Um, you know, just a lot of you know that whole thing about no capes in the Incredibles. That's in Watchmen. Well, exa- that's exactly, you know? that's what, exactly what I was about to say. I, you just rewatched that. I was like, and I hadn't caught it before. I went, mm-hmm. "This is the Watchmen. This, yeah. this opening sequence here. That is amazing." Yeah, uh, so much stuff comes from Watchmen. Uh, but you know, the idea of suing a superhero—that's mm-hmm. in the first episode of the Adam West Batman TV show. Really, the Riddler sues Batman. <laughs> okay, in a court of law. Um, <laughs> The, you know, when you've been working on something for 70 years, there's a well, lot the of ideas that The Joker, please stand. <laughs> but, uh, there's yeah. something wrong with the criminals, uh, the justice system that allows the Joker to walk into the courthouse and, <laughs> and walk back out. <laughs> they made a special exception. But the, um, the whole thing about the, the Zack Snyder stuff is at least it's interesting to look at. Yeah. Um, I didn't like 300 because I don't like the super racist subject matter. What? It's like if someone... You know, it's like the the good guys in 300 are Nazis. They're like, yeah. you know, you know, BC Nazis yeah. who just like cast out anyone who's not super white right. muscly guy and uh and they're probably all idiots because of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. But it's like it's hard to root for the white team in a movie right. against brown people. Like you just feel <laughs> wrong. Uh, so it's hard to get into that one, and then um, and it took a weird turn for me when it actually started involving fantasy elements, where like the weird creatures started know. showing up, and I was like, "Oh, so we're not even going to try to be historical?" <laughs> okay, that's cool. Oh yeah, no worries. I figured, but 
guy yeah. has claw hands. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool. Yeah, and then the... And uh, then Sucker Punch was all Sucker over Punch, the place. yeah. That's the... I finally watched that because they, they did a, a good job of review. I, I listened to Paul Shear's uh, excellent podcast, How Did This Get Made? Do you listen to that? I have. To, I kind of gave up on it. Oh, really? I, I don't know if I want to throw this out in the podcast, okay. but I will. That's you can cool. edit it out. No, um, I, really was really, I was really happy with that when it first came out when I discovered it and they were reviewing movies that I agreed with them on. And mm-hmm. then they reviewed a couple movies that I really like. And to hear like four comedians sit around and... What like, movies do you like? I'd have to go back and... See, I, there, was, there was just there was just a couple. I just kind of went. I feel like we're being overly cynical, and that's one of the reasons. Like this podcast, we try to be a little bit more positive yeah, and yeah, be yeah. constructive. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes we can be so we we know so much now. Like mm-hmm. you get you buy the DVD, and it's not yeah, just the movie. All the behind it's the like, scenes. oh, this is how we made this movie. This is the right. ten script, script writers. That thing right. that looks you know so organic, not at all. Well, Here's I, the, I think there's sometimes that that. Uh, Cross the line that that shows cross the line into being a little too negative. But I think in yeah. general they tend to be they, no, of, they do, and it, it no is no one working on a movie is trying to make a crappy movie. No, you know? I've I've said the same thing on this podcast. Yeah. Everybody sits down to try to make something great. But yeah, so anyway, I, I love that podcast, and they they review a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. I end up going, I'll watch that. Like they reviewed that. Uh, what's the from the the movie where Nick Cage drives a car out of hell. Oh, Drive Angry? Yeah, yeah, Drive Angry. They did make me want to watch it. After I watched it. I totally watched it. That was it. insane. Is it as bad as it sounds? Well, it's kind of like terrible great, you know? <laughs> right. Um, it crosses that line where it becomes yeah, entertaining again. Yeah, it just again. becomes super fun. And you can tell that they're just having a ball and yeah. that the director just let Nick Cage do whatever crap he wanted to do. Yeah. Where he's like going to quote Wotan and just whatever he's into. <laughs> right. There's all this stuff in Nick Cage movies where it's like, we're going to go talk to these Hopi Indians I met in real life. <laughs> right. In the movie. You know right. what I mean? It's like, there was no reason to do that except he, the guy, he pitched it to the director. Yeah. Did that stuff in Ghost Rider where he wants to be all like unsure of himself and yeah. eating candy and you know, <laughs> right? It's like eating his ideas. Out of the martini glass. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So the sucker punch review on how did this get made is what made me watch it uh, because the the whole premise just mm-hmm. seems like a really well intentioned mm-hmm. huge miss. Right. You know. Uh, I think they. I think uh, didn't they? I think they kind of said it was like it wanted to be Brazil. With girls in it, but it ended up becoming almost like a music video. Like, it was just a bizarre... It's tough writing girl characters. You yeah. know, like, he he clearly wanted to have these heroic, badass female leads. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem is, in the audience's heart, like, what you're trying to reach... Like, people talk about, like, stories all being subjective, and they're mm-hmm. not. Here's the thing. The reason that people think that is because we don't have words to describe what a story accomplishes. And what a story accomplishes is like this heartstring pull, this thing that makes you feel invested. Mm-hmm. It pulls you into that fictional world, world uh, through your gut. And that movie, when they're fighting stuff and you want to be on their side, because it's all CGI, you have a hard time connecting with it. Mm-hmm. They make it even harder by making it two layers deep in an imaginary world. Right. So you can't be invested. You know that this this horrible story. You're spending at the, the whole. Top. You're spending the whole time going, "What's this a metaphor for? Like, right. what, are they, what are they actually doing? Yeah. If they're fighting the dragon and the B right. the B two bomber, and like it's what are they like doing in the kitchen? These, you know, they make a point of saying she's eighteen, but it seems like they're kids. Yeah, and these kids are being molested by the orderlies at this mental mm-hmm. institution in real life. Right. And you know, the whole message of it is sacrifice yourself to that to save right. someone else. And I, you know, it was that was rough. Yeah, and so knowing that's the last movie he made, 
What's going he going to do Superman? to Superman? Like, well, I, I like Henry Cavill. He was on the Tudors, and I thought he was fantastic. You know, the like, thing is, I haven't seen him in anything. I've just mm-hmm. seen the pictures of him, and yeah, he has a great Superman face. Yeah. Like, he totally looks Superman, and the they've new... been posting all these shirtless pictures of him where he yeah. looks super buff. With a beard. With his beard. <laughs> where Superman goes to Alaska. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, fine. I'm he was, okay He's in that. the new Immortals movie, too. I don't know if you've seen that or the posters for that. But... I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I like I like the idea. Of, like I think he looks super heroic, and even that one um, picture they've shown of him in the costume, like a, kind of a stage picture of him behind yeah. like a broken uh, wall or something. I, I like what they tried to do with that picture. Yeah, I think the cape looks really goofy. They pleated it the way Thor's cape is pleated. Yes, I noticed and then, that. And the I'm not a big fan of the S, but I might just be nitpicking at that point. You know, well I like the shape of it, but I don't like the texture of it because it's the right. same texture on the rest of the suit. Mm-hmm. So it clearly is raised and stands out, but then it's the same texture, which makes it just feels weird. Yeah. Um, the big thing about it though is that they've ditched the uh, super underwear on the outside, right? Which I think is a huge mistake. Um, I know that everyone talks about it as like an extra joke. Mm-hmm. Like, why does he wear his shorts on the outside? Right. Okay, here's the thing. When you have established for 70 years that the idea of a guy with tights, mm-hmm. his underwear on the outside, wearing a cape, means something. It means he's a superhero. Superman is the reason we think that. And instead of just letting him be that, letting him be this globally established icon that everyone recognizes, uh, they want to instead try to make him hipper or cooler mm-hmm. by ditching the trunks he's still a guy walking around in tights and now he looks kind of like oddly naked right without them right my fear with Zack Snyder directing it is the fact is just the tone of it because I feel that Superman if there's any hero out there when you look at him he seems to be such a kid friendly or all ages friendly right hero you can do super serious stuff but you can also he wears red and blue he just he's welcoming he's friendly he's a hero for everybody yeah well the struggle with that uh, is that most people refuse to try and grow into that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this this real pervasive side of our culture that's wrapped up in getting away with things and uh, being a jerk, but it's okay for whatever reason. And, uh, man, it's everywhere. And, and you know, I, I'm sad to say you encounter it in real life, you know, not just in the stories. But, you know, you... If you really dedicate yourself to trying to play fair and, uh, you know, just help people, it's difficult to be successful, you know? And I'm not saying that I've done that. I'm saying that right. the, the times that I've done that have not always led to success. Right. Um, which, which I think is – I still think we kind of need those heroes, though, the ones that say, I'm not going to stoop to that level. Not saying that Batman does, but – you know, Batman does kind of live in a grittier world. He's like, I'm going to live in the shadows, as well, opposed you know, to being. I, I think people mis, you know, mis uh, characterize both Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. People always want to make Superman tougher than he than he is, and people always forget that Batman is cloaking himself in things that are scary. He himself is not scary. Hmm. You know, Batman is a agent of good who wears a costume that looks like the devil. You know. <laughs> right. And he's a totally good guy, and he and Superman are BFFs. So if when you know that part of their relationship, you can figure them out a little bit better. Right. But with Superman, you know, they want to make this tough guy Superman. So you see all these uh, comic book covers these days where Superman's got his red 
Yeah. So he's, you know, his heat I, vision eyes turned on. So, yeah. So I'm going to burn you with my heat vision because mm-hmm. that was cool in the one Alan Moore comic. So now it's like all the time, over and over, people are regurgitating this, you know, time Superman and Batman had to fight in Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns and the time Superman had to get really mad at Mogul, you know, right. or Mongol, I think. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about, uh, in general, as a, especially someone as, speaking as a comic book artist and as a writer yourself now, how do you, how do you feel about the, the adaptation process of, of going from comic book to movie and how certain, you know, certain uh, elements of different, um, whether it's a character or it's part of the plot or it's part of the, the costume even, yeah. like how much do you want to see retained from, how much of the comic do you want to see in the movie or vice versa? It's funny, I, I don't really think of it that way. Okay, most people do. Most people that will talk about comic book adaptations are like, that's not what happened in the comic. The comic's where it's from. But that's not true. Here's the thing. When you work on properties as like huge as Batman and Superman, you know, they have there have been more here's the thing. More stories have been told about Batman and Superman than any other fictional characters ever. Okay? We've spent the last seventy years telling thousands and thousands of stories about these same two guys. There's not more stories about Frankenstein or Dracula or Conan. Right. There's more stories about Batman than anyone. So we clearly are very invested in them. Now they've had corporate backing. <laughs> but what's happened is they've hit a, you know, this, this sweet spot of these two guys who have dedicated themselves to helping people. They spawned you know, an entire genre that we didn't have before that I think you know, totally supersedes all the previous hero myths because there's now this bigger dedication to aiming for doing what's right and helping people mm-hmm. than was previously there. And now, because the culture, you know, people have a hard time writing these goody-good guys, mm-hmm. so they instead try to make them bad to match right. themselves. And I think that's a huge mistake. You should let Batman and Superman... You know, there's this thing all the time. You should let them inspire. Yeah. Well, you see, like, some guy's coming on to write Superman. He's like, don't worry, guys. I'm going to make Superman cool. Right. Superman's way cooler than you. <laughs> there have been more stories told about him than will ever be told about you. Right. He has crossed every media. Yeah. You know, like uh, every medium. But the uh, you know, so when we talk about the adaptation thing, my point is, Jimmy Olsen and Kryptonite were created on the radio show. Right. You know, in a far weirder way. Yeah. And things filter back. The Crystal Fortress is from the 1979 movie. Harley, filters back. Harley Quinn was in the cartoon. Right. Has become a comic book staple. Exactly. And so what's happening is all these, you know, different artists and writers, people working on the toys, people working on the cartoons, and people working on the movies, it's all just working towards the idea of Batman. The video games, everything's filtering back in. You know, if you look at the new Batman design, it's clearly influenced by the Arkham Asylum oh, design. absolutely. You know, and... So the movie is just another one of these. It's not like it has to stay true to the comic book. What it has to stay true to is the concept, mm-hmm. the idea of a man from another planet who is here to help. Mm-hmm. And there's so many good things to draw from. What really matters is not that you have studied every issue. Right. Not that that wouldn't help. You know, help. But what really matters is that you understand the story. You know, if you understand how to tell a good story mm-hmm. with these characters who mm-hmm. have these issues, you know, then I think there's no way to fail. Like, you know, the the that, reason Jonathan Nolan and Chris Nolan make a good Batman movie every, you know, couple of years is because they're good at telling stories. Right. And all they do is filter Batman into their way of thinking about mm-hmm. stories. And that's I, that's why I love the first Spider-Man movie is that, like, it's not the best story necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a little... Uh, it's a cohesive film. It's a, it's a cohesive yeah. film, but it's like... 
Sam Raimi gets Peter Parker. Right. He gets that plight. So I'm okay with uh, Mary Jane being a little Gwen Stacy-ish. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm cool with this, that, and the other thing. Um, I'm cool with the, the organic web shooters. Well, and you know, people but talk you about... you get this character, and so it works. They say, like, oh, you can't change things. And it's like, the comics change things. The continuity yeah. changes all the time, yeah. you know? Most recently at the New 52 in this huge dramatic way that's really weird. Well, and DC's been doing this <clears throat> interesting thing recently where the continuity is the story almost. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not just this outside thing that we talk about as readers. Mm-hmm. Now they're going... We, the characters, Flash, recognizes the fact that continuity has changed. He changes continuity. You know, it's like there's these things that are taking place within the story now right. where they're discussing that. And I kind of find that fascinating. Something you touched on earlier that I wanted to come back to was you mentioned you started reading comics after the first Batman movie. Right. As a store owner, do you see – are more people reading Green Lantern or Thor or Captain America today? Are more people coming into the store because of the movies, you kind of hear that. You kind of they see that, and sometimes it's harder s- to see a direct connection the way you could after, say, the X Men movie or the Spider Man movie. Right. Uh, after the X Men movie, the X Men books were not in a place that made sense for new readers to jump on. They were all wearing really weird costumes that were different from the movie. Is that uh, when um, Grant Morrison came in and gave them black leather? He later did, uh, but before that, uh, you know, when the first X Men movie came out, I think they were fighting magic gemstones or something and they all had these really weird colorful costumes and uh, it was just a hard sell if you were coming in off the movie which was a really good superhero movie you still had the giant energy bubble at the end that all superhero movies have to fight for whatever reason but but they kind of it it started in a place that anybody could walk into that be introduced to that world yeah and uh, so since then I think they've tried to do a better job They've kind of over-marketed everything. Like when the Thor movie coming, is coming out, there's six Thor titles. And Cap, same thing. Right. You know. And the covers are like movie actors sometimes and stuff like that. Right. And these days, you don't actually see the direct, like, very rarely. It's usually someone's mom buying yeah. something for a kid who liked the Captain America right. movie when you see someone coming in saying that's why they're in. Yeah. But the intangible benefit of these films is that people know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, three years ago... You couldn't just say Green Lantern to anybody. Right. You know, and I may have totally hated this film, but I'm glad that more people know who he is mm-hmm. because the next one might be better. Yeah. And I know that there's great Green Lantern comics to give people. Did you see the the uh, animated pilot for the Green Lantern, the new one, Bruce Timm's doing? That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I watched that with my son, and it's a little edgy, but man, we loved it. <laughs> yeah. Just... It was really great. I was shocked. Part, that great new ideas. They went right into the War of the Rings, like introducing the Red Lanterns in the first Well, they, episode, they totally surprisingly. bypassed the Yellow Lanterns that's yeah. been done to death with Sinestro in the last few years. Like, mm-hmm. every animated thing's got to have Sinestro in it. Every movie, you know, all the comics. And so now it's like they've got this whole new idea of frontier lantern space outside of what we know where they're kind of on their own and not reporting to Oa. And now the green, you know, Hal and Kilowog are stuck out there fighting red lanterns on the edge. And the first thing, you know, the second, it was a two part thing. But the second part, they've, you know, the, the new red lantern is far more interesting yeah. than you expect. Yeah. And that's, that's a whole, I, I was so bummed when I found out that it's not airing the next week after I saw that. Yeah, I saw it, I was like, this is awesome. I'm yeah. going to subscribe on iTunes or whatever yeah. I have to do to see this. I was on and the fence was like, about it, but it was great. Oh, it's not coming out until so yeah. February or something next mm-hmm. year? It's like, okay, I guess I can wait. <laughs> but mark me down for that. Yeah. Uh, that was a success in every way that yeah. the movie wasn't. Yeah. You know, they, they hit the ground running. They, they've kind of leaned towards the jerky version of Hal Jordan, but not so far that you just no. hate him. No, but it's a big space adventure. It's like, yeah. I, and I loved him and Carol, like everything, and it worked. And yeah. it's like, 
this is what I wanted. I wanted Green Lantern to be Star Wars. You know, I wanted it to be that that kind of a thing where you have the kid going up and doing something great. Well, and I thought they did a better job of having him make things with his ring, which yeah. the movie I think just had very little imagination. The whole everybody What's, working on Green Lantern has this whole idea of Green Lantern using Gatling guns. Yeah, you have the most powerful weapon in the universe, and instead of that, you want a gun. Which, by the way, right. you're using on the cover of Justice League number one, right next to Batman. Like, right. Batman hates guns, but it'll totally work with you, Green Lantern, because you made a light gun. Like, right. get over yourself. Like, you know, there's a whole Grant Morrison issue of JLA where they team up with the Wildcats. It was a crossover. Uh-huh. And uh, Grifter, who's a gun-using uh, guy from Wildcats, Batman gives him this like really good speech about how, like, if you're really good, you don't need those. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you man enough to, you know, work with me? Yeah. And, he, and Grifter's like, all right, Batman. And like, so he puts down his guns and has to, like, you know, think harder That's to cool. accomplish things. And, like, uh, I really think Batman would be giving Hal a speech about this. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> but, yeah, uh, getting back to the Superman movie, uh, I don't know, man. The, the only bad, you know, we don't know anything about the story. I'm, totally, I'm reserving judgment we, at least until I see the trailer. <laughs> you know, like, I want to see. We know the director can make things that look cool. Yeah. I'm worried they're going to lean towards the tough guy Superman, which yeah. I, you know, I really like compassionate Superman. Yeah. But... The casting is what's concerning me. Not Superman, but like, who? It's Henry for, Cavill as Clark. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, is it Amy Adams? Yeah. As which Lois? I, I got to tell you, I think they said get Rachel McAdams, and someone messed up because Rachel <laughs> McAdams looks exactly like Lois Lane. Yeah. And she was just in that movie with Russell Crowe where she was a reporter. Yes. And she was awesome. Mm-hmm. And instead, we got Amy Adams, who doesn't look like Lois Lane at all, mm-hmm. and is kind of like aging out of where I think she should be for this role. Right. You know, and I don't mean to... No. I like older actresses all the time, but... It's just, it's interesting to me. Seeing the cast starting to come out like that, I kind of go, where's this story taking place? I kind of want to, like, what's this, what is the hook? What is the story? I kind of get the feeling it's not going to be an origin story, kind of like Superman Returns, where they kind of go, we know, planet, boom, ship, let's move on. I kind of get that impression, but I don't know. I, I've heard rumors that it's leaning towards birthright. Yeah, and I go, I've heard that too, and I think that's a smart way to go. That's yeah. what they should have done with the last cast. Yeah, you know, Birthright is an excellent Superman movie yeah. uh, or comic book, but, but it could have be been a, a great movie. movie. Yeah, I love this stuff. I, I spent some time in in Africa a few years ago. Oh uh, yeah. In Uganda and uh, working with this orphanage, and the stuff where Clark is in Africa in the second issue, mm-hmm. man, Wade knew what he was doing with that yeah. book. That's that's, cool. that's just an excellent. That's one of those few guys that really gets the character. Have there been any um, comic book movies you kind of feel like kind of missed the mark? Anything that just didn't? I mean, not even maybe not even one that you didn't like. You know, we've mentioned Green Lantern, but just something you kind of went, meh. You know, you don't need to make that again, or let's not go down that road again. Well, you either know, as, either as an adaptation or just as a. There have been a lot of misses. Clearly, yeah. uh, you know, the Punisher and Hulk are both two guys that are really hard to make movies about. Those are two they're, I don't feel like are good for movies. Well, the, the problem is they're not good guys. Yeah. You know, Hulk is a good guy who turns into a monster. Yeah. And that's very dangerous. And Punisher is a guy who, you know, in outside of superhero world, I, you know, he's totally an anti-hero that mm-hmm. you could read about in, in any crime thing, you know, goes around killing mobsters, his family mm-hmm. was murdered. Makes sense. Yeah. But once you put a symbol on him, yeah. it's like he looks like a supervillain, you know, like... Mm-hmm. And my rule is just would Batman kick his ass? And he would totally take down Punisher. Yeah. No trouble. Yeah. And Without thinking twice, really. No, he's like, that's a bad guy. I'll get him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And, uh, you know, that's why Punisher's a bad guy. Now, he's interesting to read about, Mm -hmm. and they could make good movies. But the problem with the movies is they've tried to sell him as a good guy. Mm -hmm. 
Even the second one, which was very fun, over the top, super hyper violent. I didn't even see the second one. It's worth seeing. It's it's got a bad rap because it's not like a great serious movie. Yeah. You know, the first one was a trying to be a serious superhero movie. Yeah. And uh, didn't quite connect with the audience, but had some good bits in it. I like Tom Jane. I thought I he, did too. I would have been I would have been cool with a second movie with him in it. I liked it. I liked the goofy roommates. I liked mm-hmm. the attention they spent to him, like tricking out his car I mean, and stuff. It I liked it. It was basically an adaptation of Welcome Back, Frank. The uh, right. The you know the the Miami setting mm-hmm. and the John Travolta bad guy is yeah. what ruined that movie yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The um, the second one is totally a f- you know like if you did a direct to TV or direct to video version of a Punisher movie, but you had the ability to make everything as violent as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've I've heard from the director on that on that How did this get made podcast? She came on. Uh, she talked about how like. You know, in a world where real violence occurred, and she had to make this movie with violence, she wanted to make it as silly and over the top as possible. And when you understand that intent, it's a blast to watch. I can I can kind of respect that because yeah. I have a I have a a rough relationship with violence in movies. I, right. I, I've, I really kind of it annoys me how much violence we get away with in, in American films. Mm-hmm. And I saw this one documentary called um, "Not Yet Rated" or something like that. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, but there, there's one guy who makes a really great point that he kind of feels like you know. If you're going to have violence, that should be basically the rated R film, um, especially in the radar. You know, so many violent movies are kind of they just mistreat weapons and guns and make right. them seem so easy, so simple, yeah. and almost fun. Yeah, you know. And then there's other things that we kind of really crack down on, but we let we let this get away and we give it a PG rating or PG. Yeah, this is off topic from superheroes, but yeah. you know, a film that really did a great job of, of handling you as an audience member as it dealt with violence. He's up there. Uh, is the uh, the one uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards? Okay. You know uh, that movie. It deals in the story with propaganda of mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. You know, with the Nazis watching you know their heroes. Right. You know, versus you know uh, the Americans and uh, British invading soldiers, and then you're in the theater watching a movie of Americans. <laughs> And uh, Jewish kids going right. and just beating up Nazis for the glorification of your own, like, you know, personal desires to see Nazis beat down. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really bold and inventive choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you it gave you the, the thing you wanted to eat, but also made you handle mm-hmm. that, you know, watching this just for the sake of it is what the bad guys do, too. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I really hadn't thought of, I've only seen that movie once, and I just, I was, I was disappointed when I saw it. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah, I was sold on a movie that starred Brad Pitt. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they marketed it. I showed weird. up for the bastards. I'm yeah, the like, movie's about that Let's girl. Let's see this. Yeah, and I kind of went, oh, I loved it because that's not what I was expecting either. But for I, me, I was so yeah. won over by the girl's story. For me, it was three movies I would watch any day of the week. Oh yeah, I just showed up for the third one. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah. Ugh, like, but that opening scene was just like the scariest thing I've oh, ever God. seen. And it's then so you good. have. Um, these other things going on, like I love the story of the girl in the theater, and like mm-hmm. all that stuff going yeah. on. Sure, sure. I wanted more, and then Brad Pitt showing up, going, ah, "We're here to kill Nazis," and he's doing bad Italian, mm-hmm. and like he I was really that. funny in that. He was great. I have like, a, my best friend from what? high school sounds exactly like the character he was doing, <laughs> so it totally appealed to me. Yeah, so there was there was elements of it that I liked. I just kind of went, "This isn't the movie I wanted, though." Well, but I under well, with, well, with one of the things I like perspective, just, just touching on the violence, is that they they made it look. Really horrifying. Yeah. Every time something happens. Oh, yeah. So it's like, that is the it's other kind thing. of a litmus test. Like, like are you, you the kind of guy that goes, yeah, cut them scouts? Or are you like, ah, it's horrible? Well, yeah. Like, and when there's a scene, I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it because you should check it out. Um, 
the scene, there's a scene where the bad guy kills somebody yeah. by strangling them. That is the worst. Like, it was just <laughs> like, you're just like, no! Oh, I was just kind of like turning in on myself going, why, yeah, why? That was, that was a... It was, it was rough. Well, you know, it's, I, one of the reasons I liked it is, is it, it was fun, mm-hmm. and at the same time it was honest. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it had its camp, and it had its having fun, and then it's like, because I, I feel like, you know, the problem we have with violence is that it, it, we talk about it desensitizing people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we have a culture where we're okay watching, you know, Dexter, which is a right. totally awesome show. Yeah. And I love. Mm-hmm. But it's about a, you know, serial, serial killer, killer who yeah. murders people. Now they're bad guys. With no emotion. It's right. It's a very Punisher-esque kind of world. Very much so. Uh, it's in Miami, just like the first movie. <laughs> um, so they probably should cross over. Uh, but, like, uh, you know... Every, all the violence you see in things is so clean, and so mm-hmm. it's hard to be horrified by it. Yeah. You know, like, when you get out into, like, Africa or India, and you deal with, like, I don't want to get really dark, but I've seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the I appreciate it in movies where they don't hold back and make you think that it's just totally cool to yeah. headbutt somebody in the face. Right. With, or, or hit somebody in the face with a rifle butt. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they just get knocked out. Like, yeah. Horrible disfigurement. No broken makes you, nose. Yeah, I mean broken collar. Because there's bone. you. I just think if you're gonna like have that in your movie, you should also see how it's also really rough to deal with. Yeah, you know emotionally. So I appreciated that, I, and it's not for everybody. Don't get me wrong. No, but I've watched that movie like four or five times. Really? Yeah. Um, I love everything with uh, the British guys. Oh know, with, yeah, uh, Mike Myers, and then the, the, I kind of wanted the movie to start there. Like when, yeah. when, when I kind of felt like that was the movie I wanted. It was like when Mike Myers shows up to go, here's what we're going to do. Wasn't that like, so fun? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what you're talking about, though, a series that did that for me was The Pacific. Did you watch that on HBO? No, I didn't. It um, Same guys who that made Band of Brothers, which is one of my absolute favorite um, mm-hmm. HBO kind of miniseries. But it's about the, the Pacific War, basically. And they deal with violence in a very, very real way. And it's some of the, the most intense battle sequences I've ever seen. And you see the ramifications afterwards where people right. start to get to go home. Or, hey, it's quiet. Nobody's shooting at us. But we have these dead bodies around. And it's oh, it's horrid. It just You just go, gah. You know? yeah. It gives you this perspective. Because when you see other World War II movies, the John Waynes, the, those movies that are almost propaganda from the late 40s yeah. and 50s where we're like, yeah, yeah, America. Um, you don't see that. You just see bodies falling off the camera and we move on. Well, you know, and speaking of comic book adaptations that deal with uh, violence in that way, you know, the Walking Dead TV show. Yes. Uh, which, by the way, that is, it's the most highest rated cable show ever, right? <laughs> the Robert Kirkman, the guy that wrote that, is the best guy. Uh, just totally cool. Uh, great writer. I love just pretty much everything he's done. Uh, he's capable of doing violence in interesting ways. Um, but Walking Dead is my favorite thing he's done and it has been for a while I, I started reading the comics probably when they were into like the fifth trade or whatever right and i just burned through them yeah and uh you can and go I, through this so quickly well and you know every issue comes out and you got it you gotta yeah. have it uh because it is the most reliably consistent comic book i read i think uh and everybody talks about tony moore on the first trade right and then they're like oh but then you know he leaves whatever like tony moore's great but charlie <laughs> yeah. adler kills it on yeah. that series he's so perfect for drawing zombies so in that series, and Are you caught up on the show. Yes, yeah. The season mid-season oh. break, uh, which I, do, I also don't want to spoil for anybody, but it you know the show has a lot of glorification of killing zombies, and it's you know it's fun, and you're having and fun. And then they make and you then, question. <laughs> I know. And then they're like, 
Yeah, but then you'd have to do this. By the way, well, yeah, and know? I don't. I've read them. I've, I've, I read. I don't know like the first twelve. I think of the the trades. I don't remember that element being in the Herschel fa- family farm storyline. Mm-hmm. But the way they treated that, where he's going, no, these are real people. They could get better. Yeah. We could heal them. Yeah, he's an idiot, but he's an you, idiot. But you, like, you feel for him. Introducing that makes you question all the other "quote unquote" senseless violence you've right. had. We go, they are killing people, even though these might be the we're calling them the undead. We're yeah. calling them zombies. I have no but, qualms about killing zombies. But, right, Let but, me just come out in favor of killing zombies. <laughs> right. I play Left for Dead, Left for Dead Two. But, I, I have trouble with like a lot of the war games where you go around headshotting people. Yeah. Because I just, you know, like, they're fun and all, but I get a little, like, tired of just shooting my friends. Zombies, <laughs> on the other hand, they have to be put back down. They're not supposed to be up walking these are, around these anymore. These are people that you don't have to question their intent. No. Like, sometimes when you play, like, the, like, I've played a couple of the Uncharted games, uh-huh. and you show up on an island, and there's these people that are hanging out. Yeah. And you have to kill them to get to the objective. Yeah. And you kind of go... I wonder if I just talk to them if they let me see the artifact. Right. You know, do I have to show up and shoot them? Yeah. The zombies. That's the thing in Skyrim, You show up, too. you go. I, you show up, you like the zombies. If they see me, mm-hmm. they're going to try to eat me. I was telling you before <laughs> we started this, I, I rented Skyrim, and that's yeah. a, that's a, a huge part of that. Is like, do I try and play fair, which is what I want to do? And yeah. I want to be you know this heroic character in this game, or do I just kill the guy and get the thing I need? Right. <laughs> I can't. Oh man, like I've 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 played like uh, the Fable games and a couple mm-hmm. of the other. What was the other game I played? Where they give you that morality meter, basically. Right. And sometimes I'm like, no, I'm going to be a bad guy this time. Mm-hmm. I hate myself ten minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm a jerk. Yeah. I don't deserve this game. And, like, I can't stand it. I, I tend to play, like, really soft. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I like playing Batman, because Batman, yeah. you know, he has to make those guys go to sleep for a little while. Right, that's, right. that's just the thing. And I like the Portal games where you really, you know, don't really You're get fighting it. Machines. It's not yeah. a big deal. Nobody's getting hurt. Oh my god! Did you see that theory someone did on like DeviantArt or whatever about the companion cubes no. in Portal? Uh, you know how like the AI uh, calls them your uh, brother. Yeah. Uh, someone had this theory that your brothers would be the other people in the study, right? Who have died. Oh no! And those are their coffins, and oh. you have to deliver them to the incinerator. Oh no! <laughs> So the whole time you're carrying on a box with a dead body. <laughs> that is terrible. I thought that was genius. It was such a good gag. I'm, I'm really curious and anxious for Portal Three. Oh, on, on Portal, like the way Portal Two ends, you're like, yeah. I hope this goes on the direction they, man, they're promising. I, I hope, I hope there's not this extra reveal like you thought. You know, I don't care what they do. No, me neither. Valve just play doesn't it. make bad stuff. No, they don't. I really, you know, speaking of comic book adaptations. Mm-hmm. Why don't? Why doesn't somebody give Valve the keys to something like Green Lantern? Yeah, you know, a really experimental, weird kind of superpower, yeah. and you know, like the portal guns are, or yeah. the, the you know repulsive gel or whatever, yeah. repulsion gel. So like, why don't? Why doesn't somebody give Valve a big superhero to do? It's so frustrating because like I like these characters, and I feel like there's only been a handful of good video games. Oh yeah, like you, the Arkham City, Arkham Asylum. Yeah, they're great games. No matter Spider Man Two was really cool. Spider Man Two, I would even say Ultimate Spider Man. I didn't I haven't played, but I've it's, heard it's yeah. very similar to Spider Man. Yeah. They, they take that same mechanic, but they give Ben just the script and they give it that Ultimate oh, Spider Man nice. look. Yeah, and so it's like this is fun. And it, mm-hmm. at the time, it was canon for yeah. the comic. They've kind of retroactively said no, no. Yeah, but um, I want a Miles Morales game now. Yeah. Oh man. I'm sure this isn't going to happen, but I can talk to you about this. Do you think they would ever include Miles Morales in the Avengers? 
Is that is this a way for Marvel? Do you think to be able to include make their own Spider-Man movie? Because they've given the right. Because Sony, like, has Sony the owns to Peter right now. Yeah, they, they, Sony owns the right to Spider-Man. But I'm wondering if there's like a loophole where they go, no, no, this is Miles Morales. Yeah, I, I would love. I don't know. I said this. Morning. I would totally love that. And see, that's the thing with the new Spider-Man movie coming out. Bring it back home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the uh, you know they're retelling Peter, and I, I like everybody involved. Yeah. And I think it the hurts me a little goofy, bit that they're going origin. Yeah, Again. it's just you know Sony made so much money off that first Spider-Man. Like yeah. they were, they really were in trouble. Yeah. Okay. And uh, if you go on the Sony lot, they have this huge poster of the, from the Spider-Man One movie mm-hmm. because this is like this, this is, is what saved us. This is the studio Spider-Man build. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know now Marvel's doing a you know because Sony ran that franchise into the ground mm-hmm. where which I think Spider-Man Two is my favorite. Absolutely. Um, but. You know, Marvel's over here. You know, you know, uh, Hulk aside and whatever. But the, you know, they're hitting it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Fox did the X Men First Class. Yeah, Fox owns the rights to all the X Men and Daredevil. I think uh-huh. they did oh. a great job with First Class, though. We talked oh, about man. this earlier, but man, great, yeah. great movie. I mean, character driven, not tied to the continuity. Not tied to in the continuity. Way. There's. There was that. I was slightly confused because they called it first class. I thought it was going to be an adaptation of the first class book. Jeff Parker, yeah, and Colleen Coover. Um, and turned out to be nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, know? no. But I, you said it, and I completely agree. I would watch that Magneto movie if they made a movie about Magneto. The Magneto Nazi hunts Hunter, Nazis forever. That's, done. That's a movie. <laughs> yeah. But the you know what they did with that is they they swapped in characters to kind of hopefully mm-hmm. suit the continuity of their previous Fox movies. Right. Um, but, and, you, and you could tell there were some nods to like X Men Three with the beat with Beast there. And, yeah. Uh, well, and they. <laughs> this, I don't want to spoil the the cameo because somebody spoiled it for a friend of mine. Oh yeah. And I, I go that is not well, a friend who tells for me tells about the that. the big deal was that they they managed to not use hardly any of the characters that should be in that story. Right. They went period right. in the sixties, which that. was genius. Which I totally you know we've been saying a lot of us online have been saying for years they should have done with the Fantastic Four film and if they do another oh. one they should. Um, that would be awesome. It's, it's a I didn't even think about that. Marvel's fits right there. Big Tesla coils and the, yeah. the whole thing. That'd be awesome. The Fantastic Car is like a big tub. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> you know, the Incredibles ha- was able to have that kind of iconography. Yeah. The 60s kind of jet set spy movie, mm-hmm. you know, rocket ship stuff. Uh, I just saw an interview with Brad Bird where he's like, yeah, I haven't had any ideas for Incredibles 2, so I haven't done it. And I'm all for his success because mm-hmm. that guy wrote the Iron Giant, or you know, that's like my favorite. Yeah. That's one of my favorite oh, movies. The Iron Giant. By the way, there's an artist in it named Dean. Really, pretty good. Um, it's not this Dean. No, but in that movie, the, the you know, the, oh the character, the character. Sorry, Harry, I was like, are, is that? Are you trying to tell me something? No, no. I, oh <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the Iron Giant. There. I'm no, not no, tooting I, my own horn. Not at all. A... It just pleases me so much that uh, <laughs> there's like moments where you know Hogarth is like, "Hey, Dean, watch this," and I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> done. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, I totally am." Uh, but yeah, and then The Incredibles was just like uh, one of the best superhero movies ever. I, he's maybe fifty percent of the reason I'm going to go see Mission Impossible Four. He's a hundred percent of the reason I'm going to go see Mission Impossible. I, I like the Mission Impossible movies. I'm on board with them. Even, I think they're fine. I mean, they're, there's I, popcorn action movies. Yeah, but Brad Bird is like next level. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, uh, is there anything you else you would like to kind of touch on? How about some? Oh, here's something. Um, non superhero comic book movies. The Scott Pilgrims of the world. The Ghost World. The. I thought Scott Pilgrim was genius. That was a, 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 an excellent, excellent film. Uh, Edgar Wright is so mm-hmm. good. He's, he's another one of those guys that has that policy. I'll watch anything he's. He's like, I'll just make good movies. Yeah. Make good call. 
Uh, I don't know why everybody else goes the other way. Um, but yeah, I thought, that, man, Scott Pilgrim was so great, and I was just so happy for uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, mm-hmm. who's just an excellent, excellent comic series. I, he, I remember picking up the, the comic from him at SPX, you know, when it came out, and I read it on the ride back to Georgia, mm-hmm. and it just blew my mind. I read all of the Scott Pilgrim books right before the sixth one came out. Okay. Like, I had, I knew the movie was coming out, and I was like, I need to read this, I think. Yeah. And I found the first volume, and then I went to, I think it was the Books of a Million before it closed, and mm-hmm. I bought all the rest. I'm like, <laughs> I need these. And I read them over a weekend, and yeah. it was it was great. I, I, that was a friend of mine. He was like, hey, I, I'm thinking about getting into comics. I know mm-hmm. you love them. Where should I begin? I was like, here is Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. And now he is reading Walking Dead. He's reading... Right. Um, He's, I gave him the Killing Joke. I've given him all these other books so he can kind of experiment because he's like his experience up to this point has been like the X Men cartoon, right. the Batman cartoon. That's what a lot of people come from. Is is that's why I don't get upset when they adapt these things, mm-hmm. you know? Because even if it's a lesser version, sometimes it's a better version. Mm-hmm. It, at least it reaches people, mm-hmm. you know. Like the the Teen Titans cartoon, which had some detractors, which I can't understand at all because it was so good. I but like, own all five seasons. I, was, I love those. I was teaching middle school at the time, mm-hmm. uh, teaching art, and uh, all the kids had their favorite Titan. And mm-hmm. like for a guy like me, who's grown up loving, you know, every version of the Teen Titans, mm-hmm. to to be able to talk to middle schoolers about the Teen Titans, yeah. like, and they, oh, I like Cyborg, and like yeah. I'm really into Starfire. You're like, this is fantastic. Like yeah. I'm so glad they made that show. And I've heard rumors that they're bringing it back. I haven't heard that. That'd okay, be great. Or maybe maybe it's like an, an, an anthology. Special. I've seen oh, some yeah. artwork or something. I see. Yeah, they're doing this new DC Nation cartoon, which yes. is a terrible name, but a great idea. Yeah, uh, to do an anthology kind of program with DC mm-hmm. characters because the properties are just they're so good and iconic, uh, mm-hmm. and they can stand a lot of variants. That's one of the things about Project yeah. Rooftop is that we try to explore. You know, how far can you push the idea of Batman visually? Yeah, well, that, like Batman, I think is an interesting character because. I feel like out of all the heroes, and I'm sure anybody could shoot me down on this, um, I feel like he's changed the most. I mean, he's. I feel like when you look at his history, mm-hmm. he's always he almost always seems to reflect a society, maybe more than Spider-Man does, more than Superman does. Mm-hmm. Like, you start off and you look at him, um, and he's not the Frank Miller Batman. You know, and then you see um, uh, the Adam West Batman, and then you mm-hmm. get into the 80s, he starts to get a little bit darker, mm-hmm. and then you have Frank Miller show up, you have Tim Burton show up, right. and then now you have the Batman, the Brave and the Bold, which is a throwback to the Adam West. Right. Yeah. And then you have you know you have Bruce Tim doing his thing, and you have Christopher Nolan doing his thing, and you kind of go, everybody has their own Batman. They can kind of go, this is my Batman. I, I really do think that's the case, and, and as a, a huge as a you know my motto, Batman Forever. Uh, I just love them all. I, mm-hmm. I just think you know that's a character who's so simple mm-hmm. and so strong. Mm-hmm. You know the the cleanest idea ever. This kid loses his parents, and he dedicates his life to help making sure that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. The one time it does happen again, he adopts that kid and he becomes mm-hmm. Robin. That is so clean and so easy to wrap your head around. And there's no you know as much as I'm perfectly okay with sci-fi and magical elements, there aren't any. And so it's it's so easy to to say that could be real. And the, the Chris Nolan movies have done mm-hmm. such a great job of exploring that. You know, the Batman uh, Adam West show, mm-hmm. you know, it's very camp and silly. Mm-hmm. But at this end, they dehydrate people and rehydrate them from powder But <laughs> the, in the movie. But all that said, they, they take pains to, like, explore what it's like to be a superhero in this world. You know, like, Batman is a fully deputized member of the police force, you know, mm-hmm. like a right. honorary assistant. Right. It's like, he's not a vigilante, yeah. you know. And in that era, you know, the pro-establishment mm-hmm. kind of uh, world that they're trying to create, that's perfectly acceptable. 
right now, you know, the 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 corruption of of Gotham cops always comes back into right. Batman that, stories. That's where we're at in the movies right now. Yeah, and and you know, as society is more ticked off at the authority with mm-hmm. uh, abuses of power, that has to come back. And Batman's, you know, a wish fulfillment character who is more powerful than mm-hmm. the police, and no one's more powerful than the you know the police in, in, when you're stopped by one. You know, right? And uh, I think we're we're probably in for a, a good long while of <laughs> Batman having to beat up some cops. Right. You know, it's just like every month you got to read about one of them like shooting somebody that mm-hmm. didn't deserve and you're like you guys don't deserve those guns. Right. You know, like the pepper spray to the I, kids Well, yeah, face. the pepper spray. You know, I I saw a thing about that that you know how we we think of uh hot peppers mm-hmm. cuz on Fox News someone said that like, oh, it's basically a food ingredient. And you're like yeah, yeah. Here, here's the thing, sweetheart. Yeah. Like, the deal is that's not in your kitchen. Yeah. The the jalapeno pepper. They judge it by the amount of capsaicin in it. Mm-hmm. Jalapeno pepper's like this hot, and then there's habanero, and then like some more, mm-hmm. and then like some sort of death thing. Yeah. And then hotter than that is what's in pepper spray. It's like the high, mostly mm-hmm. capsaicin, and it can cause permanent damage to like all your you know mucus membranes. Did you see and that stuff. video? It's just so maddening. Like I don't really know the context. It's like I want to give every, I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but I'm oh, like I don't. But I, I'm like I'm naturally just that way. I'm like there's people sitting here like oh, yeah. I can't get them to move. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't get it. I just think that, like, you know, I'm I'm totally against all these lethal forms because, right. like, every month, like, and I again going dark, uh, the the darkness of the guy that writes butterfly. Every <laughs> month, I gotta read about some cop in Chicago killing a kid. Yeah. Every month. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's too many. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I have to read about these things, and I get so furious, and then I think like you should just give them all non-lethal weapons, and then. They go around tasering people all the time yeah. and pepper spraying people in the face all the time mm-hmm. without the need arising. Right. Not like, oh, I couldn't do anything else. It's, I just did the easiest thing. Right. And that's not like the Andy Griffith way, you know, the Jim <laughs> Gordon way. Right. Like, I, I watch all these cop shows and I, I, I thought about being a police officer. Like, I still do because I think being a detective is probably the most in line with my fictional reality. Right. You know, and I uh, loved Homicide. I love the new NBC show that's being canceled, Prime Suspect. That is excellent. Oh, is it? I never, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's so, so good. Is it's it head a, and shoulders above most of the procedural it, cop shows. Is it seen. a remake of the Helen Mirren Prime it, Suspect? Well, it is. It starts off that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's loosely based on the first one, and then it kind of just becomes Does a its cool own cop thing. show. Yeah. And, and i got to tell you, I, I watched all the Helen Mirren ones. I like the U.S. one better. Because that's I, Maria Bello, isn't it? She's so good. She does things with her face to convey, like, little bits of emotion that, you know, I've never seen anybody do. I mean, you you have to go to, like, the best actors that are out there to go, oh, he does things like that. That's subtlety or difference or taking reading a line a certain way. That's an excellent cast, but Maria Bello just stands out so much. And the idea that that show's not breaking through the, you know, stranglehold that reality TV has on American viewers is so sad. Yeah. Uh, it's another Terrier situation where it's just right. a great show that no one's really no one's tuning watching, into, yeah. I guess. And, it, you know, the thing is, people are watching it. If it was on cable, it'd be a huge hit. It's just the ratings aren't high enough for, you know, network. Yeah. I'd, uh, and by the way, if TV, it was on cable, it'd yeah. be more gritty and realistic, and so I'd like it even better. Yeah. Why do I have to watch things at all on NBC? <laughs> you know? I, I, I really think and am also hoping that um, TV completely changes because I just feel like, like right now, uh, Kelly and I, we don't have... TV. We don't have any kind of 
any kind of hookup. All we have is Netflix and Hulu. Yeah. Because we kind of went, you know what? We don't watch these shows. These shows that we want to watch are coming up on Hulu. The right. other shows that we want to watch, we can wait for the DVD. Yeah. I'm you know? all digital as well. Uh, and so I it's like, like the I'm, internet and I don't like commercials. Yeah. I don't mind paying for things. Yeah. I do like things coming to my TV crystal clear without like things popping up over them. Yeah. Like TV is so in, you know, this is a medium problem, you mm-hmm. know, but it's so invest in selling the ads, which is how they make their money. Yeah. They, because we're on this old radio model right, of selling exactly. ads for the content instead of selling the content. And so what's great about iTunes, Netflix, Hulu is mm-hmm. that you pay for the content. And I, I, I really want and hope and pray that that's what becomes the new model. Is basically yeah. going, how many people are interested in a Justice League ongoing? Right. I am. Here's $10. Cool. We can make it now. We have this, you know, whatever. Yeah. And we go forward from there as opposed to we only are getting X amount of dollars per episode. We have to cancel Veronica Mars. We have to cancel Firefly. Right. Nobody's watching it. It's like these are huge, huge Well, and in the long run, communities may be going away, oh, which God, makes no sense. <laughs> uh, I can't even pretend. I, I have to pretend it has to be coming back because community is, is my wife and my favorite no, show. It, right it now. makes zero sense. Yeah. Like I can, if I look at the numbers or whatever, I kind of go, okay, Firefly did its thing. I wish it didn't go away. I didn't discover it till DVD, so I'm part of the problem. Whatever. Well, I you know I don't know anybody that's not watching Community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Community is really really good. It's one of those things where you feel like you know those of us who are into these really awesome things when they're happening. Yeah. Must be in some sort of bubble because. Yeah. You know, there are apparently tons of people not watching Community and following Abed on Twitter. Right. Like, who are these people that don't realize there's all this awesome... <laughs> the entire Inspector Spacetime oh, meme gosh. that's going on, that has invaded and taken over uh, Tumblr for me. So wonderful. <laughs> it's just so great that... I don't know. There's, there's, these, there's this thing about comedy where, you know, you kind of want to do something that's funny enough that everyone can enjoy it. Right. But then there's that level of hitting that sweet spot where only you feel like you're on the inside of it. Yeah. And even if it's a million people, you still feel like that Inspector Spacetime was for me because yeah. I watched Doctor Who. Right. And uh, no matter how many Doctor Who fans there are, yeah. you got it. And that yeah. feeling of getting it, being in on it, is is the feeling that community is so good at. Yeah. Uh, like their their Beetlejuice. Uh, oh, Easter that. Egg. Yeah, the three seasons long Forever. joke. <laughs> yeah. Three people say Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice walks by in the background. Yeah. Don't notice it unless yeah. you're, you know, some crazy person <laughs> I didn't notice screen it until, capping it for yeah, the Until somebody put it online, I went, no way. And I'm glad those people are out there because I'm yeah. not watching that, you yeah. know, attentively. I'm looking at the actors. Oh, me too. And somebody <laughs> even pointed out the episode where Abed has, delivers, the, delivers baby the baby in yeah. the background. You're like, what? I, again, another YouTube <laughs> sensation. I, I did, wouldn't have caught that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that kind of, I think we've covered Unless there's anything you'd like to talk about, is there any points that you kind of went, well, I'm here, I've... Get your voice heard. No, but thing. if anybody likes my kind of rambling, I am on Twitter. Dean Trip, D E A N T R I P P E is my username. Pretty much everywhere. I'm on uh, YouTube with pictures of my kid and uh, <laughs> Tumblr, uh, uh, doing very well in followers over there. The Tumblr people have promoted me a couple of times, and uh, I run Butterfly, which mm-hmm. is at iheartbutterfly.com, heart spelled out, and uh, projectrooftop.com, where I run a site about uh, art blog about superhero redesigns. And Power Lunch just came out? Yeah, Power Lunch Volume 1. Uh, we're working on Volume 2 now. And uh, it's about a kid who gets superpowers when he eats food, written by the awesome 
Jay Torres, who I've been a fan of for a long time and published by Oni Press. And it's a real, from, I haven't been able to sit down and read it yet, but from what I can tell, it's a book that's really for kind of everybody. It's like a, yeah. I could sit down and read it because I love comic books and I love these kind of stories, but I could also give it to my five-year-old nephew. And Yes, it's, it's very all-ages friendly. It's intended for literally all ages. You know, uh, it's cool. It has this nice anti-bullying message without being really heavy-handed. It has food stuff in it without being like really preachy about mm. what kind of foods to eat. Uh, you know, or being like, just eat whatever you want. You know, right, right. it's uh, it's some just, responsibility going on. Right, <laughs> it's just a good you know kid with superpowers in elementary school thing, and I, I'm really just very pleased that Oni and Jay Torres brought it to me because I had a ball on it, and I'm loving doing volume two. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So that was uh, Dean Tripp interviewed by Scott Fogg. Yeah. So. We had a really good time. Like we went down there, and I was a little nervous because he was only an internet personality. You know, it's like you see, like you see someone's art, you see what they do, you see the stuff that they post, and you may even talk with them online and exchange. Stuff, exactly. I mean, not met them. Really. And you know, and judging by the stuff that he draws and posts about, I, he seemed like somebody I'd get along with. Um, but you never know. You might show up, and the guy's like just a jerk or just someone you just don't completely see eye to eye with but we kelly and i ended up spending four hours in the guy's comic book store <laughs> we just kind of sat there and we talked and talked and talked and so it was a lot of fun very um, cool well um we hope you enjoyed it um it's definitely something you know we're hoping to expand uh kind of what we're doing here in our podcast some obviously we're going to keep sticking with our afi top 100 list and we're working through that and we will get back to that very shortly i know december here has kind of moved away from that we've done a few specials and that kind of thing but we are going to launch uh straight back into that here shortly don't Um, you worry (laughs) yeah we've got several in the can and it is uh we are moving through the list yeah um if you like this let us know because and let us know also if there's certain types of interviews or sit downs like this that you would like to hear because we have a couple of ideas and have even lined up a couple more uh for the new year Mm -hmm. um but if there's something specific you know that you would kind of like to hear or if you know you enjoyed the Dean Trip one in particular or whatever, just let us know because, you know, we while we do this, we also kind of want to make sure that we are providing a podcast that kind of meets your movie needs. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, we think it's kind of cool maybe to interview some people who aren't exactly your standard mov- movers and shakers in the movie industry, but still have an interesting kind of take on things. So that's, you know, that's something that we're kind of looking at. Um, but, uh, you know, let us know who you want to hear from and we'll, we'll see what we can come yeah. up with for that. Because, because so. I mean, this is movies you should love. And so there is a certain amount of us kind of sitting down and talking about why this movie's good or why that movie isn't or whatever. But, uh, I think it's important too to kind of take it to take a perspective of somebody who's not a movie maker sometimes, you know, kind of sit down and go, you know, we can talk about the cinematography, but does that really matter to the audience? You know, what do you think about these things? And I think it'd also be cool to sit down with some people who are currently making movies, you know, mm-hmm. people who you might've heard about or people you might not have heard about. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of here to explore a lot of that because we love movies and you probably do too. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, stay tuned. We're, we definitely have some more uh, more ideas planned here into the new year for, for interviews and stuff. So um, 
All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this particular episode with Scott's conversation with Dean Tripp. And uh, join us again next time. Uh, and as always, uh, let us know what you think at moviesyoushouldlove.com. Yeah, and take and if you are just finding us on iTunes, um, m- make sure you swing by the website because we're going to provide links to all of Dean's uh, projects and websites um, as well as the Blacklist, as we mentioned before. And whatnot. Exactly. So thanks a lot for listening. You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com. 